0: to this damn show. Damn it. The You're Napping in. Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Sneeds. That's the ad. That's, That's the end. That's the ad.
1: listener submit it month god i love this month
2: i really do (laughs) even though even though y'all suck sometimes i really do love this
1: month well let's see if they suck this time so the first episode that we're doing here is maximum overdrive we did get an email from a listener uh so it says recently i just started listening to the podcast and i've been listening to episodes about horror movies that i've seen or enjoyed i will make it through all the episodes soon i swear but I didn't see no you picture. guys do my Stephen King favorite, Maximum Overdrive, yet. Between the whole soundtrack being ACDC, and that it's actually terrifying to think about machines and electronics coming to life and killing people, could make such a good movie, in my opinion. Love the podcast, and I hope to hear my pick. Trina. Trina! And I do notice... just on Pull over there, that nothing... pick too fat. Sorry. Yeah, uh... Sorry, Trina. You didn't need <laughs> <Jesus> that <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The um, regret was immediate. <laughs> So this movie, I mean, I'm going to read some fascinating things real quick. Now, I think most of us know that this is Stephen King's only directing gig. He's mostly disowned the film. He describes it as a moron movie. Yeah. He says that it was directed by cocaine more than him. There's rumors that Sam Raimi directed chunks of the movie on his behalf. (laughs) No, I thought that it was Romero. Oh, Romero, you're right. George Romero, Sam Raimi, something else. Sorry, I'll get to the Sam Raimi thing in a second. And I've heard conflicting things here. Uh, but the, the thing I read was that King did consider it a learning process and he never intends to direct again. More recently, I've heard him say, like, all right, it would be fun to see how I could direct as a sober person instead of, like, a coked-up alcoholic. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Uh, the other thing that I love about this is that Stephen King they shot this movie in wilmington north carolina stephen king rode a motorcycle from maine to north carolina so that he could ride alongside semi trucks on the highway he wanted to get a better feel of how terrifying the big rigs would be in close proximity and get to know their loud sounds and movements
2: that's such a cocaine move (laughs) i was gonna say it's such a director move so tomato
1: when King arrived at the studio on his bike for the initial production meeting, security guards would not let him through the front gate because they did not believe that he was part of any production that was taking place in the lot. His appearance was disheveled, and he kept rambling about how he was making a film involving killer trucks that came to life due to a space comet.
2: I mean, the, motherfu- the motherfucker looked like Hunter S. Thompson uh, yeah. in the first scene of this movie, and I can imagine when he rolled in on his motorcycle. Like, yeah. He probably had flies in his teeth. And like it was probably a foul,
1: wild call. Also, to make your face the first face that audiences see when they that, tune I into was the movie.
2: Flabbergasted. This is the first. This is the first time watch for me, and we're kind of dancing around what I would pick as my or what i paired as my beer so i'm just going to open it up real quick it's called live your dash which stephen king really lived his dash <laughs> uh being a director <laughs> an author an actor uh, uh stuntman uh and an addict uh and a homie is that what yeah, you say and a homie for to all of us so live your dash from uh one family brewing company and i but, have uh,
1: garage dude. beer
3: yes, yes!
2: That, is, that is a Garage Beer. That I is I love that, perfect. that's
1: great, it's awesome. that's and nasty. It's, and it's green goblin green for the yeah, people who are watching. Yeah, very um, nice. Patreon.com,
3: backslash HMN HMM Podcast. Look, I got it in the first five minutes,
1: y'all. There, there it is,
2: check our beers. <laughs> Look at our beers.
1: So the other thing I wanna give a quick shout out to, we just recently did Evil Dead 2. Turns out that for all the bad that Maximum Overdrive has brought into the world, the one thing it can get credit for is being the reason why Evil Dead 2 exists. Really? This is ar- this is argued. This is not this is confirmed. Argued, but, but I believe it. I believe it too. Stephen I King love has horror
2: folklore. Give me like horror like horror film folklore. Yeah. I love it.
1: Well, Stephen King has always been a vocal admirer of the movie Evil Dead. Like he has written about it in multiple books and essays, how much he loves it. Um and His high praise of the film is largely credited to why it was a success later on in life. Um, While making Maximum Overdrive, he heard that Sam Raimi and others were having trouble getting a sequel off the ground, so he brought it to the attention of the producer of the movie, Dino De Laurentiis, Mm. who then reached out to Raimi and offered to help produce Evil Dead 2. So theoretically, if King did not work on this movie... Then that franchise maybe never would have existed. Yeah. Um, So, you know, something good came out of Maximum Overdrive. That's pretty sick. Okay. I love that. I love that for them. Up for debate on the soundtrack do we think the soundtrack is something good that came out of maximum overdrive <laughs> you, here's
2: here's okay here I don't I like ACDC less and less as I grow older and older for sure like it was a great oh, but when you're
1: in middle school they're like the coolest band it was ever heard
2: back in black was probably like the first legit song I learned on drums when I started taking drum lessons right you know the same way that deep purple is the first one that you learn on guitar like back Back in black is the first that you learn on drums I swear there's a lot of songs about balls and there's a lot of songs about hell and i just get i grow and tired you were a fan
1: of both of those things i
2: was and you said pretty, this is in the in band for are man that
3: was that was Kyle.
2: <laughs> you know what you're right i take it all back
1: acdc is my favorite band
2: <laughs> what, did, what did you do this week oh, i listened to back in black again <laughs> Um, no, the fact and, well, that he
1: shoves an ACDC van in the first scene as well, it's just like the, he is putting every – the credits are on the screen. The, like, yeah, not the words. The font, just the font
2: of the band gets credited. Music <laughs> yeah. by ACDC, the font I there. noticed that, the too. Van, The van is in that first scene, which, honestly, let me just talk about this fucking bridge for two seconds. Oh, the least Um,
1: effective bridge moment I've ever seen in a horror movie? bro,
2: That felt like a Richard Scary book. Like, that was,
1: that
2: was, like, I literally, this morning, I read a book to my son about, it was a Richard Scary book, about watermelons falling down a hill the the one page the page before it was like what do you think's in this truck and it's like the next page is all the watermelons from the truck falling down the hill and I was like this is absurd was the
3: end of the book (laughs) like a comet passing across the earth. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I, it might as well have been this was a 69 page nice a 69 page richard scary book which is Ooh, crazy
1: richard me. scary calm the fuck down yeah it was a lot it was just all you know, cars you know what's appropriate is six to nine pages mm-hmm, <laughs> long mm-hmm. Oh, like, give him a range give him yeah. a range one of those is
2: the title page so you can give or take it you don't yeah. necessarily have to count it anyway I, the, the bridge scene was so but there was the AC/DC van on the bridge and then there was like the blatant um instead of someone saying like Oh goddamn! Or golly gee! Someone goes hell's bells! Yeah. <laughs> and, like, was it's, like it's it's egregious. <laughs> it's egregious. It's egregious. But honestly, like I I'm I watched this. This is the first time watching and I watched it with like a contextual like. This is Stephen King's directing like ACDC's here. There's a lot of cocaine. Is the um, cocaine in there's... the room with you? Is the cocaine here? Do you see the cocaine? Uh, is twice. It in that gas station Grind bathroom? Your teeth.
1: <laughs>
2: um, and man, it was, I mean, it, I didn't love it, but I, I did. I'm so glad I watched
1: it finally. I think like, that there are good things in this. Well, no, yeah. let me correct that. There are fun things in this movie. Yes. Good, Nothing good happens in this movie, but there are fun moments. Yeah. The moment that I wrote, you always know when I'm upset by something because an exclamation and a question mark are right beside <laughs> each other when I'm writing it. But early on at the Dixie Cup, one of the first things that happens is a guy gets gasoline in the face. I want to know what the psychopath was doing staring down the barrel of the... It's his job not to get diesel and gas in
3: his fucking eyes.
1: And he's just, like, staring down it and, like, trying to pick some grind. Like, what the... You know what I I have never done getting gas for my car is inspect the quality of the (laughs) nozzle. I've never seen the inside of a nozzle. Ever. I just... I unhatch... (laughs) Pop it right in there. Job's done. Never seen. <laughs> never looked. Never looked. Never been. Never thought about
2: what it might look like. Also, does um, diesel make
3: your eyes bleed? I don't know, but I have no clue. Well, it dude, seems but you
2: believable. know Stephen King. He writes the most Cletus of Cletus fucking like not. No offense to
1: anybody named Cletus. It's shocking me. he's it's not just, playing that character because that's the only right. character he that character cares in, creep in creep show. Creep yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, mil- show. Yeah, a million the, percent.
3: You know, I I do I love Stephen King. I love and respect him for what he does, right? Um but he is kind of a fucking hack because every single story is people mm-hmm. stuck in a building and they have to fuck and then get away out because there's a yeah. monster outside. Well, and no, that's like why let's be honest. Him. He did an um, entire series called Under the Dome.
1: Yeah, like I <laughs> I fair like the human Stephen King. I would love to have a chance to meet the human Stephen King. Everything about For him, him he seems, seems sweet, like yeah. a really sweet, down to earth guy. That still doesn't mean, like, if you asked me to make my top 10 Stephen King books, I'd have a hard time around seven. <laughs> like, because <laughs> yeah. it's like, because, like, there's like a couple standout books that are like unique and, like, one that, Dark horse one that I always throw out there is Eyes of the Dragon. It's an early fantasy book mm. that he wrote. But that it's was G- he, did he write that by himself or was that one with someone?
2: It was. He wrote uh, that himself. I, I I'm pretty sure. I only think it's with Be- Peter Straub, but it's not. It's because yeah, the Talisman came did out with after Peter
3: Straub, and that's the Talisman. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Eyes of but the man, Dragon it, is literally just a children's story that he wrote he for his a, kids. N- yeah, and and but like, but then you kind of hit this thing where it's like. I don't like to give Family Guy too much credit, but Family Guy nailed it in the one book where he's just like, it's about a lamp that's possessed this time. Like, it's like, how many inanimate objects has he possessed in some way where it's like, I enjoy Cell and I enjoy Christine. And I think theoretically, if you're reading the book Cujo, it's like mildly hinted that Cujo's also possessed beyond the rabies because the ghost keeps showing up in the good kid's point. bedroom like yes. it's like mm, yeah. it's just like he's got all these weird shining is kind of a bit like there's like the he just hits possessed so, it's a possessed so, building yeah yeah like right he hits so many repetitive tropes and like you said like oh here's the part where someone's gonna have sex and then have to escape the building that they're trapped in like mm. the mist is is like Stephen King's like magna opus while it's but it's because it's a novel. novella
0: yeah that's <laughs> why it's so good because like well i
1: mean his novellas are better you and i've talked about this yeah i I feel like i've
2: said on the show so much too is the short stories are like his short stories are really good
1: so let me ask this question real quick we did mention that um this is based on the short story trucks now i remember being a child of the 90s and early 2000s going to the video store and seeing that there was a tv movie called trucks Mm -hmm. that was based on the short story that had a a pretty decent cover it was just a skeleton driving a, a pickup truck but um i've never seen it wasn't sure if either of you had ever seen it but uh i think it's just a made for tv remake of that short story which theoretically means it's a made for tv remake of maximum overdrive um, wow i know i've never i've never
2: i've never seen it nobody rings a bell it's canadian uh wow no no idea trucks used in the film on wikipedia very cool uh no i've never seen it but i know that cover
1: yeah i was like i know that cover very the with the great tagline you turn you die
2: (laughs) uh, 97 uh, that doesn't bode very well um (laughs) for anything Uh, Released two days before Halloween on 97 on USA Network. Okay. All right. Very interesting.
1: So here's a really dumb Matt Kelly's a fucking nerd fact that obviously you could have gotten on IMDb Trivia, or you can be Matt Kelly and have all of these thoughts pop into your head quicker than you can write them. Mm. Um, We have this creepy Bible salesman who just could not keep his hands to himself with a hitchhiker, Mm -hmm. and when they get out of the car, he says something to her, and she yells, Eat my shorts. Now this is three years before The Simpsons, but the woman who voices Lisa Simpson is in this movie as the is as the bride. And when Bart Simpson said "Eat my shorts," it was a reference to The Breakfast Club, starring Emilio Estevez, who's the star of this movie. So this is the bridge between Breakfast Club and The Simpsons, and the bridge malfunctions. And it malfunctions into a Richard Scary Watermelon story. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's um, crazy. Do you want to? And
3: and if we're talking about that scene, I believe that almost every stunt got ruined in this movie. They had so many problems, so many people got hurt. The director of photography lost an eye. Yeah, and he sued King for eighteen million dollars, and they settled out out of court. Which
1: hey, here's some advice: don't be drunk or high while directing a movie with a lot of special effects.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, that's a that's a day that's a day that you lay off the sauce. I don't know, (laughs) uh, or the snow, or the snow. (laughs) You you get out. You just or you have your your ad or uh, whoever your second unit just direct it. Just do it. Just go do it. You don't need to be there, King. Uh, Yeah. You're good. That was crazy. When I read that, I was like, that sucks. That yeah, that's not is great. a nightmare scenario. I mean... I was thinking of you when it happened. I was like, oh, we, shit. Dude, I think of... I mean, I think of, obviously, there's so many times that we talk about now of dangerous set precautions, and, you know, obviously, we're talking about striking stuff, and that is not necessarily because of physical danger, but of, of mental and hourly and financial danger that everybody's in but like they did not give a fuck they did not give a shit back then uh, no. and uh, the fact that the fact that they were like let's not worry about keeping the cinematographer safe let's not worry about keeping anybody safe but like no. particularly the cinematographer like and blades I I a movie called over. blades had a better
1: yeah. yeah blades had a better safety th- well look and we've talked about this when we've discussed like the strike in our previous episodes like when A24 or Kevin Smith or my fucking friend Crispy can mm. get the approval to shoot their film because they can fulfill the A, the, the SGA and yeah. Writers Guild requests of payment. Yeah. Like, shut the fuck up, Disney, that yeah. it will cripple your business to I'll, give I'll, in to
2: this. I'll, I'll, I'll sing the jingle again. It's not that fucking hard. Yeah. I think that's what I sang last time. It I think you nailed right. it
1: twice. So... <laughs> But we'll get, get this we'll man a record contract because he we'll can't do any budget
2: movies. This like is going to be the "We Are the World" of uh, <laughs> the strike. It's, it's, it's not, not
1: so hard. <laughs> it's not so hard. Just give funny. us money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like,
2: reaching uh, your pockets. Uh, yeah, it's great.
1: So, can we talk? Let's do because there's no plot to this movie. Like, it's let's be honest.
3: You know, electronics attack It's kind of night, it's kinda night of the living dead. I mean, with... it's a
1: lot of things, kinda. But <laughs> Did you guys it's a <laughs> okay? Lot so of things,
3: in the 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 argument that people have that Romero shot half of this for for King fascinating to um, me. was he even on
2: set. Did anybody he see was him on set like... a yeah. bunch of the time? He was on set a bunch wow. of times. That's where the argument
1: th- comes from. is that's that. the, he was on it's set. A, yeah, it's a lot of like the it's similar to the Spielberg Hooper Poltergeist, uh, yeah. poltergeist thing because yeah. okay, probably a little bit more so because with that one you have really at least two established directors. Direct, yeah. yeah. Like this one, it was like Stephen King was like, let me call my buddy George and see if he can help give me advice. And yeah. I think George just did what some frustrated friends do at a certain point where you're just like, just give it to me. I'll tell you. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Dude, fuck it. yeah. Give um, yeah, me the fucking But the, the argument of
3: that, of Romero shooting a bunch of scenes is people are positing that like, oh, that's a Romero shot. Oh, that's a Romero angle. Like. I don't know no, what to Ram- look for. It, the, I, was gonna no, say, I, I don't I, think
1: that Romero. Like, I would understand if someone said, and I think that's why earlier I accidentally said Sam Raimi and not George Romero. And I think it's because it makes more sense for someone to be like, "That's a Romero," that, well, like, that's, "That's a, a Raimi shot." That's a uh, yeah, like right. Sam Raimi is someone who has angles, or the aforementioned Toby Hooper. Like, mm. I've watched enough Toby Hooper where I'm like, that like he prime example. Like we've talked about, we did an episode on eating alive eaten alive even if you didn't know who the director was there is a certain level of like man this feels like texas chainsaw massacre like it's like the lighting and the craziness and the close-ups and all that like right george romero has never been a director that i've been like oh the visual artist that is no 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 i think that there's like
2: i i honestly i it's so fun that we're having this conversation because i i think that i (laughs) i'm gonna I'm gonna try not to soapbox it too bad. I'm gonna just step up real quick and then step back down. There is a there's a difference. Like there's a a a distinct difference, and there's not a reason to talk down about one or the other. But there is a a a visual director, and then there is like a a content director, Mm -hmm. and not in the sense of like YouTube content or you know whatever. Like, but I just mean like Romero is in the sense of horror. Like Romero is one of those people who is like talking about content context, the idea, and like that's the direction, right? And it's like the visual supports that, but it doesn't necessarily like, you know, completely um delegate that. And then on the other opposite end is like Sam Raimi does stuff and it's like so much a visual medium and so much like this is what it does when in and then the content sort of follows that. And it's like I think horror is a great place to explore that in a lot of ways, like because yeah. the the well, ideas and the thoughts and the stories can be so big that like you can explore both of those things. But I, I just, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the dichotomy of those two things. And there's probably more like offshoots, but just on a foundational level of like what I'm thinking about right now, um, yeah. that's, that's two distinct things that are both worthy of exploring and praise and to be able to call somebody a, a good or bad director.
1: No, I agree. And I I actually heard some... I forget who it was, but they were saying... They were reviewing a a movie, and they said, like, this movie likes to remind you that you're watching a movie. And, like, what they meant specifically, it was like, there's no just, like, hey, here's a shot where people are talking. It's like, here's the drone shot, and here's the crane shot. Mm -hmm. Like, and I would never say that Romero has made a movie that makes sure that you don't forget you're watching a movie. He is a very, like, set it and forget it with the camera type director. So, yeah, saying that it has angles and shots is like like a movie like
3: you guys are doing wonders <laughs> for my self-esteem right now because like i was so worried
1: that i had missed something oh that we are going to be like what are you an idiot look at all these iconic camera shots that you've forgotten <laughs> in all these massive movies no. um no, there's well, not.
2: There's, 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 um, and not to say that there's nothing here. Uh, it's very fun. I mean, even my background is like a great wide shot of like yeah. the gas station and, and you know, like everything's, I'm not, nobody doesn't think about it's a particular thing. It's not a thing.
1: poorly shot movie. Like you last know? week's movie was a more poorly shot movie than Maximum. For sure. Right. right. Yeah. But it's like,
3: you know, but <laughs> there's really
2: nice film stock. That's like a, yeah. big, that's a big, big compliment. Did. No, there's just, I think that like, I think people get, wound up and the the easiest thing to point to about a director's repertoire is something visual right because you can be like this is a thing here is it it's concrete it's black and white like they did this right and like to be able to talk about the content and what people are talking about is 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 different than that you know maximum overdrive is not the best example (laughs) but i think we're talking about a lot of people and a lot of like Raimi romero king like all of these and a big studio thing like people are you know there's this is a good example to sort of like build upon but it's also not the it's not the greatest example i
1: and i I, this is probably the best time we've ever had for me to mention this but i also think i feel bad for directors who have a strong visual style because it's a really no win situation Mm -hmm. right you're either going Mm -hmm. to get mocked that you use the same style way too much and you become a joke like a tarantino or a wes anderson or like any of these other directors. AI just starts doing your shit. Yeah, just Wes Anderson, shit. like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> or the flip side is you do try to do something different, and then everyone hates it because it's not what they've come to expect from you, like when Kevin Smith tries to go and do something other than, like, a dialogue-heavy static shot movie, or mm-hmm. when Rob Zombie does something like The Monsters. Like, not saying that they made great movies, but it was like those movies were destined to fail no matter what because it's like... The audience who's gonna watch it is already gonna be like this isn't what I've come to expect from this person right. <laughs> like, right so you're just kind of you're you're it's you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't
3: well um, this is it's, it's the rigidity of art when it's commercialized yes. in my opinion yes because yes. like
2: rigidity is an important capital R word
3: <laughs> it's a bad word um well <laughs> the thing is is that like it's it's odd when you you become known for an aesthetic and then you want to branch out because there's a financial contract between you and the watcher the viewer and yeah. um, or listener I mean like if if you know like but the, 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 the joy of being a musician is that I can have five bands and they can all be different aesthetic change choices that are different um, yeah. but I mean George Romero couldn't be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna
2: do a rom com." You know,
3: right. it's what just, Wes just Craven like... did it. <laughs> it's...
1: Music of the Heart, baby. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> him an Oscar now. But no, but you're right. <laughs> I think that uh, unfortunately, you do fall into it's it's so it's it should not be singular. Directors yeah. should not be singular. It, like yeah. it should not like you work with a team the whole time, and it should not be singular. However, it is you are the point person for a project, and a lot of in a lot of times. Besides, yeah. like, maybe a lead it, actor or potentially a writer. But, like,
1: I I don't know how true this story is, but it, there's a documentary called The People Versus George Lucas that's uh, just about the history of the Star Wars films and the way that the fandom really turned on him in, like, the mid to late 90s uh, for, you know, digitizing his movies, adding in extra shit, all of that stuff. Um, but one person, I forget who it is, but someone who's, like a, fr- like, a director who's, like, friendly with George, uh, yeah, with George Lucas. And he said, like, I remember walking into his office and there was stacks of scripts. And I said, oh, what are these? And he literally said they're the movies that no one will produce because it doesn't have Star Wars at the front of it. Like, (laughs) like, it's like sometimes you just get, like, trapped in this situation. And I think a lot of the complaints that that people throw at the prequels, and this is not defending the prequels at all because they are pretty fucking awful. But I think that it was, like... George Lucas being like well I want to make a movie about politics and I want to make a children's movie but no one will fund it unless I put Star Wars on it and then I make this my child my children's film and this is my political drama and this is my, you know like and I've heard someone say something similar when it came to like I, I knew a friend I had a friend who made a lot of very well received high profile like porn parody films and he said like no one's ever going to give me money to make a star wars movie right but if the option comes so like of course if the option comes up to do a star wars porn parody i'm gonna make it the star wars movie i always want it to see while i'm doing it like good all
3: right so i mean literally what could make star wars better
1: <laughs> yeah exactly right. um That's so true. So let's talk about real quick because we are running really long, but we've said really nothing, and that's because there's really nothing to say. Let's just talk about some of sorry, our favorite sorry, moments. <laughs> it's all right, Trina. Here's some of our. Well, let's go kind of round robin a little bit, just naming some of our favorite moments that happened in this mm-hmm. movie, because there are some like gnarly fucking scenes yeah. in this yeah. movie for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. the I disappointing mean,
3: I, thing for yeah. me is that the the my favorite scene is the the killer soda machine. So it, oh. it, it's out of the way within the first ten minutes.
1: Dude, they, that the, the one-two punch of how gnarly that head wound looks on the dude. And they had to cut. Did you? They, it was like. Well, it was the kid they had to cut. The kid getting smushed by the steamroller. No, that
3: was another.
1: They, oh. They were all,
3: so apparently there was an X-rated version of this movie um, that Stephen that King, sh- good the good original thing. cut Stephen King showed to George Romero and it made George Romero sick. To his yeah. stomach, it was so gory, which is fucking wild. That sounds like apocrypha to me, but, um, but but King high on cocaine, showing Romero like, an like, X-rated kind you of maximum like, overdrive. Share, share, <laughs> shit that I, like, I you yeah. were
1: there, you yeah. we were there three days. I, listen, I believe that story. I just don't think Romero Romero was sick to his stomach from the violence. It was sick of trying to keep up with Stephen King talking to. For sure, but talking a mile a minute while pointing at the movie. I think there was like 13
3: seconds or something. Where the 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 coach gets hit in the forehead with um, one of those Coke cans, and our version, the theatrical version, you just see this indentation, this gory indentation where the Coke can basically like dented in his fucking skull. But apparently, yeah. with the original, it gets hit and then it blistered. Like there was there was a a, a bladder underneath it. It blistered and then pops, and
1: then oh. he's dead. So like. But that's gone. Like, we're not going to get it. Oh, we're that's not gone. And then the kid, the kid getting ran over by the steamroller, um, the original effect that King wanted was that he wanted there to be blood packs attached so that it, when it ran over the dummy, it would start to show a red smear mm-hmm. on the wheel and leave, like, a red trail behind it. But apparently they loaded it so much that it just burst and sprayed <laughs> blood everywhere, and it looked like the head fully exploded. And... he's like perfect yeah Yeah, he's like this is amazing (laughs) uh but yeah so that i i so the other one that kind of grabbed me is similar it's at the dixie cup when the one dude gets like full-on slammed by the truck and his head just bursts onto the grill (laughs) of the truck i was like holy shit it is kind, It is a gnarly movie.
2: Yeah. Uh, I my I honestly I loved when Wanda just came out and was like, "We made you." Yeah. We nope. made you. are taking You're credit close. for it. Goes
3: homemade who? Oh. Who? Uh, <laughs> we- <laughs> I told you guys I was gonna. Be I love my when CTC Angus Young impression. comes
2: across the screen and <laughs> he guitar walks uh, across the, and gets run over by the car. Jesus um, Christ! No, I, I I I love that moment and she just gets blown to smithereens. Um, but it's it's the moment that leads into their communication, which yeah. then like you know they're... There's something to be said about like I love that the trucks enslave the people. Like there, yeah. you know, when you get those wide shots of like the lines of trucks, I'm just like that works for me. That works so well for me. All the all the other stuff, the fact that there's like 12 people in this in this Dixie yeah. cup or Dixie boy. Is it Dixie cup or uh, I think, it, I like, think it's I, the Dixie
1: I, boy. Dixie, the boy. Dixie boy but
2: I, I yeah. but it's a, a Dixie cup is uh, my favorite version of yeah. this um, no for sure uh, I, but something I, I, it's, I don't it's, love it has interesting stuff I yeah. really like it was fun
1: I don't love that they try there's this whole subplot where the bible salesman is like trapped in a ditch and they have to go save them and i was Uh, like i literally wrote like you couldn't give us a more likable character for them to save like it couldn't have always been the kid it couldn't have like always been the kid yeah it could have the the bible salesman could have just died in the scene that we thought he died in anyway yeah and then it's a kid that they hear in the sewer where it's like oh yes innocent children to save save but also it's zeke's or is that zeke or is that zeke's
3: kid the guy with the gets the remember. the diesel in his face. That's his kid. It's his kid. Well, oh, look at that. Kid. See, I Daddy missed that. that. I missed today. that. Yeah,
1: I right. Well, his name's Deek. So sure. Oh, <laughs> Deek and Zeke. That yeah. that sounds okay, like a Stephen so, King yeah, fan. No, no, no. That that, that that is the guy's
3: son because he was like, I'm gonna go get my boy, and then he gets fucking you know run over, and oh, then they man. tell don't they tell the kid? And hey, I, your daddy's dead. Daddy's dead. He's like, I can't believe it. I I mean, am I crazy? Really, no you might be no you, you might, might be right, right but, but look just, the
1: third act i start to fade on I this did one too
3: but i like this is my third watch of this movie and i paid more attention in this third act than i have in the last two times watching it but i still didn't pay that much attention so i just i was just like this has to be he has to be going to the dixie boy to see his dad right i don't mean yeah
1: he just wrong. must be like that's where my dad will be that's where i can be safe trina what's the answer
0: Damn it. The yeah. Napping Through Happy Hour podcast brought to you by Geekscape. Real life, real drama, real time. I'm Gary Snoot. That's, the, That's end. the ad. That's the ad. That's the ad. Hi, friends. The world got you down.
1: So since this was not picked by one of us in particular, it was just picked by Trina, who thinks that they have the best double feature to kick us off here? Oh. Uh, All right, I'll go yeah. first. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got a perfect double feature for this, guys. Don't you worry. Good luck coming up with something better than this, Tremors. Um, oh, another shit. movie where a bunch <laughs> of people are trapped. It's movie. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say Savini's Night of the Living Dead. I Ooh. think that that's a fun one to match Is that the
3: 1990
1: one? 1990.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah Great yeah, movie. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, that's Great. one I'm surprised we have haven't we, done, actually.
3: We haven't. We we're not, we're not talking about this? No. No. Okay. All right. I, that's shocking. I had yeah.
1: completely forgotten that. And that movie, like... Okay. It actually does a lot to salvage the Barbara character because, like, yeah. I love the original movie, but yeah, like no, Barbara, is. Barbara is a really rough female stereotype in that first movie, and they make her a survival badass by the end of the nineties. Yeah, Patricia remake. Tallman. Yeah, she's yeah. great.
2: Uh, I just, I, I, love that vibe, and now with all the Romero talk, I've been thinking about it more. So yeah, no, right. and
3: and I'm gonna go with, um, I'm gonna go with uh, Graveyard Shift just because, yeah, it is. Equally insane, but <laughs> more watchable, I guess. Like it has yeah. a better rewatch value than than Maximum Overdrive. It's
1: just, I think it's because it has lulls, so you don't get exhausted. <laughs> where like this movie, it's so front loaded and then drags. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, okay. Like the, the pacing, like Graveyard Shift pacing is so much yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah, Graveyard lulls Shift. as
2: LOLs or lulls? <laughs> L-U-L-L-S. It can be nice both, guy. baby. Okay. It can be both. It's got lol's. <laughs> uh, wow.
1: All right. Does anybody have anything that they want to uh, promote that's not a movie or a TV show? Guys, let me tell you something that I learned the other day that blew my Please. mind. Please. So we had on One Hit Thunder my friend Taylor who uh, just successfully crowdfunded his documentary Getting Lost hey. about the history of the TV show Lost. Nice. Now, he directed uh, the Pick It Up Scott documentary, and he directed the last blockbuster that was on Netflix. Nice. Yeah. Nice. He told us a little. We were talking about the strike on the episode, and he told us a little bit. And I, I'm sure that this is common knowledge to some people, but I still want to share it because it was interesting to me. It's important for the general public to know. It's important for the general public to know. The last blockbuster was the number one documentary on Netflix for I believe it was three months or something like that. It was insane. Wow. It, it was like one of the most successful documentaries on Netflix. He's like, what you don't know about that documentary is that they literally lowballed us to the cheapest price that they could possibly pay us for the movie, saying that they don't think anyone would care, or be interested in the movie. All of a sudden, promote the shit out of it. It becomes this huge thing. But their contracts have an NDA where they don't have to tell you what the numbers are or how much money they've made off of it. They Ugh. only pay you once. There's no such thing as a residual check for your thing what? being a success. And uh, he goes, they own it. He's like, I, I can't, I have no control over that movie coming out in any other format. Like it is, it is fully wow. their product now to do what they do. Huh. Now he's like, now keep in mind because I signed that deal and that was such a big deal. It made it a lot easier for me. To get people on board to do getting lost, and it, he's doing, uh, he's doing. A, I'm very interested to see this. It's his first feature film, jumping on the bandwagon of people doing like, hey, here's a copywritten character that's about to no longer be copywritten, a la like a Winnie the Pooh, mm. uh, Blood and Honey or whatever. Uh, he's, he's like, I wanted to do the dumbest one I could think of, and he goes, turns out the copyright on Bambi's running out, so I'm doing a vampire deer movie called Vampire. Wow! Um, (laughs) Fuck yeah, dude. This is what people are striking about. It's like it's insane that that someone could have the most popular thing. And he said, like, what they paid you was like you just barely got past breaking even on like all of the costs that go into making a documentary. It's like which is which can be a lot, but also oftentimes is not. No,
2: right? Like, I mean, it's it's a lot for a person for an individual person.
1: Yeah, for an independent person making a thing like. Things it's add up. Movie clips add up. Songs but for Netflix buying the thing for yeah. you is not. It's it's yeah. A, so this is dimes. the stuff, and it's and they literally have no need to ever tell you that stuff. So this is why we're not talking about movies or TV shows, even though Scott and I watched a delightful documentary about sharks. Uh, <laughs> mm, good fucking mm. time. Bouncing off of that, you know what I'm going to promote? Going on road trips to hang out with friends. God uh, bless I, it. I had an absolute blast, went to Akron. And you know what? Actually, I'm going to promote The Retro Attic, <laughs> the home of the yeah. $2 CD. Uh, Homeboy dropped a whole lot of money on a whole lot of CDs, uh, including Glass. a double-disc DVD of a movie that we'll be talking about next month. Shout-out to The Retro Attic. Shout-out to hanging out with your friends in Akron, Ohio, in Pittsburgh, and uh, you know, a Geekscape podcast that maybe you should check out. You're listening to a horror podcast already, check out another one of the horror podcasts. Fright School is also on the Geekscape network. Those guys are great. They are way more educational than we are. Uh, but that's fine. We talk about Stephen King doing cocaine and forcing George Romero <laughs> to watch a cut of his X rated movie. So <laughs> uh, just as good, I would say. Uh equal equally uh important. Um all right, floor's open for anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have one thing. I've
3: been planning tentatively. Um, I, I, I am such a hummingbird when it comes to my next music project, like my solo music stuff. Um, and so I was going to, I was working on um, uh, Guitar Pender. And um, then I was like, mm, really kind of want to do another um, shred tendo EP. And I'm like, what do I do? And I, I have this great idea to do console crash goes to the movies. And it would be basically, you know, uh, only NES games that um, were based off of movies that I haven't done already, which is I've done a lot. Um, and I was listening through some. And um, did you know that there is a RoboCop, RoboCop two, and RoboCop three Nintendo game, NES game? Nope.
2: Had
3: no clue. Uh, I, I, I knew I there was like one. I knew
2: that there was one and I, I did not thought know that the there was one were that three. I knew was two. <laughs> yeah. I thought that it was it's, it was that's shocking.
3: And the, the best thing about the third one so far is I haven't watched any of the gameplay. The music's fantastic though. I think it's the best of the three. But the thing that tops the music is that the start screen is RoboCop with a gun pointed at the screen. And then there's a little girl who couldn't be more than five years old holding another gun, pointing it at the screen. It's fantastic.
2: Wow. <laughs> Love that. The 80s wow. were insane. All right, Kyle, Robo take us now. home. Um, so uh, in case I've been talking a lot about directing, uh, but I've been reading a book um, about actually a theater director, um, which has been really exciting for me. um, Theater was not a thing that I necessarily studied or explored a lot. I mean, I love going and I love the art of theater, but uh, as far as like a creative goes, it's not a thing that I think about a lot. However, since The Woodsman and since the other things that I've directed recently and the people that I've worked with, I've been thinking a lot about theater and what that art form means so i've been reading an autobiography uh called jack in the box or how to goddamn direct uh by jack o'brien who's most notably known for i mean he did porgy and bess at one of its early like in the 70s but then he had gotten nominated slash i think actually won for hairspray later on he's worked with jerry lewis when jerry lewis went and did theater like he's he's a very interesting uh interesting character And his autobiography is filled with stories, but then also filled with really interesting information about approaches to directing theater. Now, directing theater requires, obviously, a lot more rehearsal and a lot Mm, more time before the performance, right? Like, you have on... It's just kind of... It's almost sometimes a dichotomy to film in a lot of ways. But I like the approach to what directing theater looks like sometimes. I've been taking... I've been taking notes or seeing things that would be interesting to apply in a film setting um, without making it, you know, a big a big production or a big like time suck, um, which sometimes it can be, you know, like that's just what that's just what theater is. You can work a whole day on a section of whatever. Right. Like, um, but I guess you can do that in film, too. There's a lot of moving parts. So uh, I just been I've been really enjoying sort of stepping out of my uh, artistic realm. To learn about another uh see what can apply but then also just enjoy his writing he's he's you know he's now he's like 82 83 he's been around like he has all these stories very theater very theater you know like there's there's a theater character that we all know and love and he's very that and so his and his writing reflects that it's it's great it doesn't seem like some he hired somebody to write a bunch of shit about his you know ex uh, escapades he's he actually applied it and did it himself so i've been reading that before bed a couple pages a night uh, i'm a pretty slow reader so <laughs> it's a good it's a good like go to bed thing
1: all right well guys i can't speak for the other two guys on this podcast but
2: you might be able to
1: <laughs> this was the last movie that we're discussing for listeners submitted that i have seen before uh they got picked so I can't even give you I any mean, type of idea of what we're about to dive oh, into we're next. In, I've seen all of them, and we're in for, No, you haven't. Yeah. You've
3: seen all of them? Yeah. Oh, Scott wow. watches shit super early for this no, show, No, 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 too. no, no, I haven't rewatched oh. the rest of this month's material oh. yet. Oh. I've seen all of them before. Prior. Oh, wow. wow. And that's why I made an informed decision on what to put us through. <laughs> all right, mm, well, beautiful. guys, I
1: will tell you this much. If you want to know what movies we didn't pick hop on over to the Patreon, patreon.com backslash HMN podcast. We'll have a nice little 10, 15 minute episode of us just going through the you reject it titles and uh, letting those people know, should they try to resubmit that or, or is try a different movie entirely? Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, I mean, if you're on the Patreon, uh, otherwise we'll be back with more listener submit it month and before I forget, next week, Scott and I will be at RetroCon. So if you are anywhere near the Philadelphia area, uh, we will be in Oaks, Pennsylvania on Saturday and Sunday uh, selling things. So come and check it out. Smiles. We'll be selling smiles. And hugs. and They're love. very expensive, though. <laughs> Hug, no kiss.
0: damn it the napping through happy hour podcast brought to you by geekscape real life real drama real time i'm gary snoots that's the ad that's the ad that's the ad
3: you're listening to the geekscape network